We are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with, I was going to say always with, but Will, where you been, man? How you doing? Oh, you know, I've been on the golf course. I've been at the workplace. Been at the lounge. Been at the bar. You know, it's a Friday night. COVID's over. It's healed. It's cured. We're getting back to normal. How's your golf game going? Um, I cannot hit my driver or three wood consistently, but everything else I am uh, probably better than I've ever been. So I've had some very perplexing rounds where I'm struggling off the tee and wasting multiple strokes there. And then I could probably just play a seven iron off the tee and shoot an 80. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So it's a very weird experience in the, uh, on the range right now with me. We're working on an IPS Red White Network golf tournament. Are you, are you going to play? 100%. I'm in. I love it. I love it. I'll find a power plant nearby. <laughs> That's right. There's a nuclear plant in my backyard. Which one? Which one's in your back? Well, wait. Don't reveal it for the listeners. We'll talk offline. <laughs> Pretty sure most people know Sharon Harris. It's the big nuclear plant around here. I don't rep. Call- I don't. I don't rep that one. So, uh, okay. <laughs> if I can find someone anyway. who does, yeah, I hope your golf game better than mine. I've been all over the place lately. It's crazy. That's impossible. You're probably much better than I am. I played so I- well on Wednesday. I played a played a Wednesday. Uh, played in a group regularly. I played so well on Wednesday at six birdies. It's just just uh, doing everything right. And then today, man, just. Could not get anything close. Ball wouldn't go in the hole. I was just like, man, I thought I had it. I thought I was good. And then, nope, still not there. What, what's the uh, condition of the course you, you've played on? Was it the same oh, course? Yeah, so I joined uh, joined a club down here, and it is immaculate. I mean, it is so good right now. And, like, I, I'm not used to playing with this. I'm got with this group of guys, and I'm not used to playing with a, that guys that are all really good. So there's like 30 dudes in this group and it's anywhere between like 12 and 20 play and they're all good golfers. And it just, it pushes me cause I'm trying to get better again. Like I used to be really good and I had kind of fallen off a little bit, but anyway, the course is in fantastic shape. I mean, it's just, it's perfect shape right now. Yeah. Well, I played this, uh, this weekend we played golden horseshoe, which is, um, got one of like the top, like 100 or 200, holes in america or something on it um and they're back-to-back holes and i will say when you get to that part of the course it's awesome but um it was a gorgeous course to play on and it was the weirdest thing man you know you're playing on like an immaculate course it's like peaceful quiet and then all of a sudden these guys that must have been from like new york or philly or something roll up and for like five holes they are like parallel to us because this course just like crisscrosses over itself Right. And they are just screaming and hollering and playing <laughs> EDM. It was the weirdest, like, 30 minutes of golf I've ever played. That's and, awesome. uh, you know, I just hope that Phil found his ball on the other fairway because all of us on the course heard about it. 
Um, I was playing. I was playing yesterday or Wednesday, and the the group behind us was like, there was two groups of kids, and they all have their push cards, and they're just like scattered all over the place. They're probably ten somewhere around that. And it's some good kid golfers, but they're just like push carts everywhere and they're just hollering at each other. Hey, your ball's over here. Like just, they just care carefree, completely carefree. It was fantastic. It was pretty funny, but it just looked like madness behind us. They weren't blasting EDM, but still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Pauly D. Right. Uh, it was at one point they were playing two different EDM songs. If I can call them yeah. that. Um, two different tracks, I guess is, is the term. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then when I played Wednesday, we did a little team outing and, um, there was a little Creek in front of this, uh, the ninth green. And I was like, I can easily hop over that, which I did. But then when I landed, um, I left a shoe a foot deep in mud, um, which ruined (laughs) the ninth hole for me. Um, so it's been a pretty, been a pretty wild ride the last few days. You know, much like it has been for Kevin Keats, am I right? Hey-oh, oh, what a transition. Oh, all right. You know, you didn't talk about it. I talked about it with Matt Coe and a little bit with Will. I mean, with um, Chance. The Manny Bates thing is still up in the air. Ooh, pack scores. Pack baseball. And the base is loaded. And I don't know what that was. Evan, are we playing baseball right now? Yeah, we are. Big series, apparently. They had a walk-off homer last night. It was fantastic. It's three, four, four, three now. They had bases loaded and they just, what do you do? Oh no, pass ball, pass ball score. Um, but yeah, so Manny Bates situation, super weird. Nothing has happened with it at the moment. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but what do you, what, how do you feel? What do you think about this situation? I'm probably the worst person to ask about this right now. Um, I think if the program was in a better place, you wouldn't have the only legitimate number five on your team um, who is going to have nothing but all the minutes that he wants uh, looking to go elsewhere. Um, I think it is odd that the players can be away from campus for like a couple weeks or however it's being phrased. And in that time, um, a key player can be like, you know what? It's better if I go to somewhere else. Um, And I know I'm not dumb enough to think that there's not tampering and all that stuff always going on at all times. But I can't imagine the message would be really that much better. But, you know, I don't know. The other thing I was thinking about, Evan, was... um, in reality, like when's the last time we've had any kind of major NBA player in the program go on to the NBA? Um, yeah. And like, he's like an old man basketball player in the way he plays the games. <laughs> like, he's, I mean, like no one gets excited about TJ Warren until he randomly goes off in the bubble. Um, so I wonder if other programs maybe use that against us. Right. I mean, we've had more success with guys going pro before they get here than going through multiple years here. Most of our guys have ended up playing it in the international leagues, which is great. They're making money and they're getting to play well into their later years. But 
I wonder if certain programs try to reach out to our players and say like, Hey, you know, you're, you're at a school that hasn't gotten anyone really to the NBA in quite some time. What do you, let's say he leaves, right? Let's just, just play devil's advocate. Does that in your mind, is that bigger indictment on college basketball or Kevin Keats and the program? I, I think it's more on the program and, you know, to, to its extent than it would be Keats. Um, if the program was in a better place, if the program was more than just a 500 ball club at this point, which is what it is under Keats in the ACC, um, you'd have something to point to as a reason to stick around. And I, I don't think the ability to transfer, you know, it's not like, I mean, here's the thing, right? Manny is not, has not been linked to, you know, uh, a number one seed type program. Okay, which tells me that his people or Manny himself is being told that, hey, I'm going to go somewhere that features big men that has some cash, which is it's so stupid. Like, I mean, sometimes I question the intelligence of everyone, everyone involved. Like if the NBA wants to find you, they find you without a problem. Right. Right. Um, and when you're in the ACC blocking everything that comes into the lane and showing steady improvement in your offensive game, um, and hitting free throws, I think the NBA can find you easily. You're going to be talked about every time um, that you're playing. So, to me, I don't think everyone's that dumb and doesn't realize that. So, to me, that would more reflect on the state of your program, the vibe you're giving off internally. Maybe guys are watching how people are treated that do want to leave the program and say that's you know that's not how I want to be treated here. Um, so I, I could, I, I would say it's more, more on the program, more on Keats. Um, Cause in the end he's responsible for the program. Well, yeah. When I see people say he wants to go to Georgetown, that's the, the rumor. He wants to go to Georgetown for uh, Patrick Ewing connections to the NBA. Like how ridiculous is that? If you're good. The NBA is going to find you and you're going to have enough connections wherever you are. Right. I just never understand that, that mentality or whatever that thought process. Yeah. The the theory to that case would have to be that Patrick Ewing, even if you are a fringe NBA big man can basically go pitch your case and say, I'm Patrick Ewing. I've been around big men. I've been a great big man, whatever. This guy's the deal, right? And somehow that will weigh more with an NBA office than their own evaluations. I find that hard to believe. Now, of course, we say that and like the timing is ridiculous that Omer Yurt 7 just happens to have landed um, a temporary contract, at least with the Heat, I think. Um, and Ewing has tons of connections to to that group. So, okay. Whatever. Maybe that's what you're pitching, but I mean, you're going to be a first team all ACC center, most likely, unless something happens. You're going to be in the spotlight. The only argument I could see working is, hey, man, your coach sure has struggled to get to the the tournament. You know, he sure hasn't seemed to gotten over the hump, like going 500. That's great. But like, are you just a 500 talent or do you want to? 
go somewhere where you're going to make a, make noise. And maybe the draw to a Georgetown is you're going to be the biggest thing in the conference. You're going to get the classic big East big man feasting on everything. Um, I, I was trying to think back on it. There used to be a guy that played at UConn that was a shot blocking machine. And I remember he got all this hype. Um, and then I think he went to the NBA and probably didn't do much of anything at all because he was basically just an off ball block machine. Um, I cannot remember the guy's name. It was during one of the uh, Calhoun runs. Um, you know, so I could see someone saying like, Hey man, you're going to come down here and just feast on everybody. Why is that a better story than just playing at NC state? Like, I, I don't understand how the logic works there. I don't get it either. Oh, it to me, and I said this, and maybe a little bit more detail on the members pod that it's got to be. So sorry, somebody just messaged me. Said I heard Bates is staying. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now we've heard that a couple yeah. times. That, okay, let me rephrase this. I drew some heat on some of the message boards because I basically said, if this is true, like you might as well just get rid of Kevin Keats at this point. Um, and I still feel that way because if you do lose a Manny Bates who has really no reason to leave, it means something's wrong. And it also changes the outlook of the program. I just can't see how we are successful next year. You know, I don't see Devin Daniels coming back. I, you know, if you don't have Manny Bates, I don't see how this roster can win. And then I would think you might just be having that conversation if you're the athletic director and saying, this really isn't working out, man. Um, you know, you've done a good job, but you, you know, you're just not making the progress that we need, need you to. Um, so if Manny Bates comes back, I also feel like it's going to be kind of weird. Like when Shaq Moore, quote unquote, came back. Um, yeah, you know, like I feel like we're all going to be kind of watching leading up to July, which I think is the cutoff for when he can transfer. Right. July and, 1st. you know, does that just mean everyone in the programs can be on their best behaviors? I mean, the players are going to be having to convince them the whole time. If your players are having to convince your players, like, don't you think that is also a bad indication? I don't know. It's it's really messed up because what, like five months ago, I was like, give him a 10 year contract. Yeah. And now I'm like, maybe I'm questioning the status of this program. There's just too many red flags, right? This is just another one of those that doesn't make sense. And yeah, I mean, people are going to, you know, if you don't want to hear anything negative about the program, then yeah, people are going to give us heat. But I just think there's too many red flags when you, you have, you know, the ongoing saga with Shaq Moore. Then you have this situation. Then you, you know, you hear other guys that are, thinking about leaving and you hear, you know, I don't know, coaching rumors and all this other stuff that's like happening. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot of buy-in for everybody, right? There's not a whole lot of team going on here. Yeah. And to me, just if I'm boo and I am semi-interested in basketball, I'm like nosing around a little more lately and like, what's going on? Right. What's, you know, is everything okay here? Because there's a lot of things that are, that don't line up to me. that don't square up. 
for, you know, that I don't think you go through with a healthy program. Yeah. So, I mean, my question would be if you're an athletic director at an ACC program, are you really that disconnected from one of the, I mean, what is it? Football brings in 80% of the revenue. Basketball brings in 20%. Are you telling me that you are not involved, engaged, have your little, you know, what, what was the phrase from uh, Game of Thrones? Your little your little sparrows or whatever running around and, and reporting what's going on in that program. I can't imagine with all the access that we have, IPS has, you know, the Wolfpacker has, 24-7 has, Pack Pride, I guess is what their name is. Um, I find it hard to believe that the athletic director is not mainlined in to this program and you know, wouldn't be like, Hey man, seems kind of odd that I'm hearing this kind of chatter, you know, fucking sorry. I've had, I've had a bourbon guys. I'm sorry. This is going to be one of those fun episodes where I <laughs> am a little loose, but I, you know, I can imagine boo is the same way. I've seen photos of boo. He looks like he cuts back a little bit. Oh yeah. And like, just don't you think it'd be weird that he's not like, Hey Kevin, man, like you got to tighten up the ship if if the ship needs tightening. You know what I mean? I, I would think I think he has to know what's happening, whether or not that's his management style, and he's in there. You know, I don't know, doing those things, managing or just watching, and you know, waiting for things to fall apart so then he makes his move. I, I don't know what his how he approaches those things, but he's got to know because everybody with you know, half a brain can see that there's a lot of the stuff. This is not normal. Like I get it. Kids transfer, but not like this, right? Not at the 11th hour, not a guy's playing 30 minutes a game. Who's, you know, the, your only big man on the roster, you know, those kind of things. I mean, just, I don't know, man, there's some weird stuff going on. Yeah. The, the arguments for, Oh, this is the transfer portal. Yeah doesn't really rack up again. It it would be different if like Kentucky or I mean, I don't even know who were the one seeds this last year. Right. Right. Like it it doesn't make sense that it's Georgetown or, you know, who knows? I mean, actually you have to think now that Georgetown gets linked to this and it gets kind of out that probably more programs are going to start randomly talking to so-and-so and then yeah. Manny is going to hear about it. Right. <clears throat> um, but you know, I was hoping that I would log in today and see that someone posted some meme and how everything is all okay. And we don't have to worry about this anymore, but um, I guess I'm just skeptical at this point until, you know, until I see him on the fall roster. Yeah. Skeptical is a good way to approach it. I think. I think this year is going to be a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, what I really wanted to talk about today is your boy Dave Doran, the best. And <laughs> so uh, CBS Sports did their compilation of top Power Five coaches. Right, they ranked them one through sixty-five. I know you know where he fell, right? I do. Yeah. So Dave fell right in the middle at 35. And, you know, I want to talk about that. But at first I want to play, and I'm not sure if you've heard uh, the Cover 3 podcast, which is a CBS property. So they talked about it. 
they talked about there's two different clips here or three different clips here. But I'm going to play them in separate. Broke them up. Uh, the first one is their spring episode talking about the ACC, and they did you know seven minutes or something like that on state. I'm, I'm going to play that because it ties into this coaching ranking. So here it goes. Well, you mentioned the NC State Wolfpack. They are up next, coming off an eight and four season. You look up, and Dave Doran has won eight plus games three times in the last four years. And this year he did it with his uh, starter, initially Devin Leary, not starting the beginning of the season because NC State had a lot of COVID issues and they had a lot of players out. They had to shut the program down. So Devin Leary needed some time before uh, he had his legs under him at the beginning of the season. He does take over as the starter playing really, really well, gets injured. Bailey Hockman has to come back in for NC State. Uh, So that that made things challenging, but still they found ways to be able to persevere and overcome. Uh, I, th- I wonder if Dave Doran, cause remember this NC state team was toe to toe with Miami on like a Thursday or Friday night playing in Raleigh game ended up being like a 44, 41 shootout or something like that. Uh, sure. they, really probably should have beaten uh, Kentucky <laughs> in the bowl game. This could have been a nine and three. This could have been a 10 and two kind of season for NC state. And it felt like it didn't come with a whole lot of buzz. They crept up into the top 25 near the end of the season, uh, I guess only to fall out after the bowl game. And so I, I wonder as we do, you, like you mentioned, lots of starters back on both sides of the ball. Devin Leary, if he's fully healthy, should be uh, easily a top half of the ACC kind of quarterback and a real difference maker for the offense. Defensively, you lose Aleem McNeil, but I think Daniel jo- Joseph is an, an exciting player on that defensive line that I always turn back to. Is Dave Doran underrated? Yes. Mm. I just look at the production that he's had at this job. I mean, he took over three and nine his first season, then eight wins, two, seven wins. Then they kind of peaked at the nine win seasons. And then they had that four and eight year where you're kind of like, okay, well things, there's one of those situations you see it all the time. Things come together at the right time. You get a veteran roster, you put together good seasons and then that class leaves and things bottom out and you're not sure where it's going. And then they rebound last year with an eight and four season where they looked really good and they looked like one of the better teams in the ACC. And of course, the thing about the 2020 season that we'll always have to try to figure out, we'll never really be sure of is had it been a normal season with a normal schedule, would things have played out the same way? We don't know. All we know is that NC State went eight and four. And this is a team that on an annual basis is maybe not, you know, competing for ACC titles, but is pretty solidly in that, you know, tier two of ACC teams that is capable of beating just about anybody any given week and is one of the better teams in the conference, but it's kind of continuously overlooked. I absolutely think he's underrated. I think a lot of it has to do with his personality. Like it's dull. You know, like it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of boring, like go to work, get my job done. But if he was out, you know, tweeting memes like Mike Leach or Lane Kiffin, uh, we would be talking a lot more about him and a lot more about his success. Um, he also, the fact that he plays in the Atlantic, it's just, it's kind of, you get lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. If you played in the coastal and had like a signature ACC championship game appearance, I think we would perceive him differently where you look at his run of records that would have been good enough in the other division, but because he's lacking that because Clemson has dominated this side, it's just, we, he kind of gets overlooked. That's yet, after the four and eight season. I think I think fans fall victim to that too. Fans look yeah, at he their, was on uh, the hot seat going into last I, season. <laughs> yeah. That's what For I'm saying. Reason. 
Uh, but I think that's because like fans get bored. Like our coach doesn't, he's not fun. He doesn't come get the right, you know, like I think fans fall victim to that. They get, I mean, they get a little bit spoiled and they look around and say, we want a coach with a personality instead of a coach with a consistent uh, winning record. How do you feel about that? It's like they've been listening to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I said. I mean, yeah. we, we've talked about it before, right? Like, I feel like the outlook on this job is completely different if you have someone with a personality. And that's not to say that Dave doesn't have a personality, but he, he keeps it for the players and the family behind behind the closed doors. Um, it's the one thing that I think I've tried it on him on for a long time now, that if he was more personable to the media, he would improve the program because the media just wants to have a friend that's a head coach somewhere. It's why they like suck up to Cutcliffe and Dabo and Mac and all these. Anyone that shows personality, these guys, they write all the positive columns for them all the time, even though if it doesn't justify it. And, you know, when the national guys are able to pick up on that, I think it's a it's a truthism that that, you know, maybe he needs to take it into uh, account and maybe just let loose, man. Come on, Dave. Just, just crack open. What is the, what is the, the thing people have been saying? Just crack open and chug a beer to keep yeah, everyone shock, in the, yeah. Shotgun a beer. That's what he's. If if the stadium was full at third quarter or something like that, he'd shotgun a beer. I would say this. He's the only coach in the ACC that I guarantee shotguns beers. He just <laughs> won't do it where we can see him do it. <laughs> I think it's, I, yeah. He needs a director of memes, is what we've been saying. Like he, he needs somebody out there, just having fun for him and putting that brand out there because uh, I'm going to play the other clip and then we'll, we'll keep going. So here's the second half of that. Bud Elliott jumps in and gives his thoughts. I, I think he does. I, I agree that he's underrated and it sounds like Bud, you're, you, you'll at least be able to present the other side of this uh, on the Dave Doran judgment, but I give him credit for the program building. And so, you know, there's a lot of like key, uh, strength and conditioning coach D'Antonio Burnett, former NC State player who has really committed himself. And we've seen the way, like Aleem McNeil was not supposed to be an NFL draft pick. You know, the guy comes out of Sanderson and ends up developing into one of the best defensive linemen uh, in the entire ACC. There's just offensive line, defensive line. It seems that they've really built out a consistency in the way that they teach the players, the way that they develop them physically. And the NFL picks that have been coming out of Raleigh suggest that the the infrastructure is good and I give Dave Dorn a lot of credit for that. Some of that might just be making the right hires, some of that might be just, you know, letting people do what they're good at, but there just seems to be like I think some people like working for Dave Doran because uh because he's not uh difficult to pin down, right? Like you know exactly what you're going to get. I can't speak to that. I would need to speak to more uh, NC State assistants. I know some people don't like him, but most people who get fired <laughs> don't have nice things to say. But uh, and I don't know. Anyway, bud, where, where are you at with Dave Doran? I, I think he's fine. Like, I really don't think he's underrated. Um, I mean, I, I think NC State has good resources. I, I think you can do a decent job winning there. I, they were 4-8 and eight the prior year. Last year, he, he got an absolute gift of a schedule. I mean, if you recall, like their schedule was set not to be that easy, and then it became super easy. I mean, Wake, VT, and I was back when, when, when Hokies had a bunch of COVID stuff, and they, they still get blown out by, by three touchdowns. They beat Virginia yeah. and Liberty, though. Yeah, Pitt, Virginia, Duke, one of the worst Duke teams in a while. You know, UNC, they, oh, they, they get blown out by four scores. 
Miami, <laughs> they, they lose. Florida State, they blow them out. Liberty, one-point win at Syracuse. One touchdown win over a really bad Syracuse team. Georgia Tech, which kind of cratered you know, at the end of the year. They, you know, they beat them by, by 10. Two score loss to Kentucky in, in in the bowl game. I I don't know. Like like I think if you, I think I think the advanced numbers have this thing right from last year, guys. Like oh, S and P or yeah, S- this is not that impressive of a team. It had a good record, but like so. I'll say this: I'm actually in on this team this year. But I think last year's team was a hoax. Isn't that a good thing though? If he's if he's has a team that's average with the advanced analytics, but he gets eight wins, isn't that a good thing? Not no, not if it's not repeatable. It's just luck. Um, well, I guess we'll find out this year. Right. right? <laughs> I'm in on this year's team, though. Like, okay. first of all, I really like Devin Leary. I got to see him at Elite 11 a couple years ago. He's got a big time arm. I think he's a very good player. And I, I was talking to Corey Smith of Pack Pride on 24 7 Sports Network, and he was telling me, look, Leary only got like three spring practices last year, and he missed almost all of fall with COVID. So he came in there and balled out despite the fact he had almost no time in Tim Beck's new offense. He had to learn it all, you know, basically virtually. You get 10 starters back on offense. You get 10 starters back on defense. I really like this Josh Harris kid they have. I've heard he's getting in better shape at D-tackle to replace Aleem McNeil. He wrecked it in the uh, the Army All-American Combine. We had a couple years in the go in Alamo Dome, and I spent a couple minutes trying to figure out who the hell he was because his jersey got ripped off because they were having to hold him so bad. Um, like, he's a pretty good player. I, I think this team, I think this team could be a whole lot better in terms of quality of play and also have the same record as last year's team. Because this year, this schedule is much tougher, and last year, like I think this year's team would beat the hell out of last year's team. It might right. end up with the same record, right? I can feel that. Uh, I am also excited about this NC State team. So <clears throat> they they placed a little too much emphasis on maybe in particular Bud Elliott, but like they don't factor in. Bailey Hockman yeah, <laughs> situation. I don't. Like, I feel like they don't understand the equation, right. the complex string theory that's involved to get Bailey Hockman to have a good game and to dodge the bad games. Like they get, they get most of it right. I think the analysis is pretty good, and I agree with a lot of things they said. I, I don't think they factor in hey he won eight games with Bailey Hockman as your quarterback right who is now the middle Tennessee state quarterback like that's to me that is something that that has to be a bigger a bigger factor in that conversation but I, I get it they're they're a national national pod they talk about all these teams they're not going to get to that nuanced level but I think overall that the general consensus is you know what we've been saying is that yeah he's he's a good coach People aren't talking about him because he's just handing the dirt, not memeing everything, right? Yeah. I think one of the other things, obviously, Chip and these guys are talking to someone in the program, and I'm sure no one in the program is going to be like, yeah, I mean, the guy that won us, what, five games last year is at Middle Tennessee State now, guys. Like, FYI, that's probably a sign of how impressive it was what we did. Um, you know, and they, they each kind of mentioned the four and eight season without mentioning the massive amount of injuries, right? Like, so yeah. not only is it coming off a veteran squad, but then the worst thing that could occur, which is just injuries at every spot possible. So, you know, I, I wish they, I wish someone would kind of broadcast that a little bit to get, you know, Dave needs his, his agent 
to reach out to these guys and be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's remind you of what happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fair take, you know, and in the rankings themselves, he was what 35th or 36th in their rankings. And I think it was Tom, I can't remember who actually had to, who drew the ire of actually writing the column, but yeah, he said that. Yeah. And he said that Dave should be ranked 22nd in his book. Right. So, you know what also comes oh, into play shit, in this? And sorry. Oh, boom. Boom. I'll Danny Cannell jumping in. All right, Danny, let's go. Um, I don't know which one. There we go. Sorry. Are you playing a clip? No, no. I think I hit okay. autoplay on something. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is happening? Um, but, you know, so there is, there is respect there for Dave um, and what he's done. Um, there's acknowledgement for, yeah, there's good funding for this program, but we haven't nearly invested like we, we would expect for a program that really, I mean, like maybe a better question is, is uh, for the fan base is, are we a basketball school or are we a football school? Because I feel like anyone from my generation that I talk to, it's a football school and we should treat it like a football school. Um, I, I know that doesn't jive with all the fan base, but you know, you're starting to see an investment in the staff. You're starting to see an investment behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll start coming to fruition, but at the same time, it's like, what are we in year nine? That's what we're going into, right? Right. So, so here's what. So the the next the next pod they did, they were talking about the rankings before, before the ranking came ranking came out. And Danny Cannell brings up Dave Doran, so I'm going to play this for you. You know what also comes into play in this, and it absolutely should not, but it probably has to do with recruiting? It's likability. Like, it's so, like, it's a personality matters. Not one of us, and I'd be curious to know where you guys have a guy like Dave Doran, who's done a fantastic job at NC State, but because he's kind of boring and doesn't give you a lot of great quotes, he never comes up in a lot of conversations. Now, he, I'm not saying, I'm not making the case for Dave Dorn to be a top 10 coach, but he's a really good football coach. Yeah, he's top really half. Yeah. I've got a 35, like right there in that middle pack of like 10 to just 15 milk coaches. Average dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you. that's good. That yeah. is a good thing. Like if you can be like a middle of the pack power five coach for 10 years at a power five program, you're doing something right. I, I, I think I factor in recency more. Um, just, just looking at my list. Like I, I had Dave Doran over Dave Cutcliffe. Yeah. Same. Like and that was who's a better coach right now in my mind. If I had to go make a hire today, I'm, I'm not hiring, you know, Cutcliffe o- over him. Um, you know, like what, what do you do with Shiano? So they they drift off into other places, but <clears throat> so he's ranked right in the middle, and this is what the article says about him. And this is Tom Fernelli had to write this piece. Uh, he says, "Dave Doran, the NC State coach, moves up 13 spots, and I still can't help but feel like our voters care. My voters are underrating him. I mean, let's just look at the resume after going 23 and four and winning two conference titles at Northern Illinois. Doran has gone 55 and 46 at NC State in eight seasons. He's won at least seven games in five of the last six. And he's probably gotten his program as far as anybody could reasonably expect. I have, I have Dave at number 22 on my ballot, and I think colleagues are wrong on this one. And he's he was 49th last year. Yeah. I think I think he's won eight games, seven of the last six, or five of the last six, or whatever it was. Eight, seven, seven, nine, nine, eight. Okay, so yeah, he's got seven. Take out the two terrible 
like worst things possible seasons. Yeah. And just look at those years. Like he's on this list of coaches. I'm going to read you like, here's a few that are ahead of him. Lance Leipold, Greg Schiano, Mike Leach, Manny Diaz, Pat Narduzzi, Cutcliffe, Clawson, Harson, Bronco Mendenhall. That's up to 25. And then PJ Fleck, David Shaw, Jim Harbaugh, Mark Stoops, Herm Edwards, Tom Allen. Like, where did, where did Mac end up on the list, by the way? Uh, you don't want to know. 12. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. But that's based. I, I bet they would be willing to admit this based on his success at Texas. Yeah, they did in some part. Like, he, he's won a national title, right? So, you, yeah. You give him that. Yeah. You give him that. Hey, look, he at least keeps them in the news. I can respect the ridiculous opinions of him. Um, here's the thing, right? Of that list of coaches other than Mac Brown in the ACC, Bronco Mendehall is the only one that I'm even impressed by outside of his current run at UVA. Um, right. I think I thought his time at BYU is impressive. You know, it's like Narduzzi. It's like, honestly, really? what has he yeah. done? You know, I mean, he, he, yeah, he beat Clemson. So, you know, that, and that's the thing, right? If, if anywhere in Dave's track record, he had, he had trumped, uh, Trump Clemson, this would be a completely different story. You know, he had his two good shots and he missed them, unfortunately. Um, but the rest of that group, it's like, what have you seen from them? You know, like, I mean, I don't understand the love for BC. I just don't get it. I watched them several times last year. They just seem like the typical BC program that was throwing the ball a little bit more. And I just don't see that turning into something else this season in particular. So, you know, maybe I, I think the recency bias that we see in all these kind of polls, it makes sense, especially because it's not like a poll of ACC beat writers only, you know, right. or something like that, right, by, by conference. I'd be more impressed probably by that uh, approach. Or at, at one time, one of the podcasts earlier – last week like they had mentioned like maybe it would have been better to have like a tier approach instead of actually ranking these guys because right. i think one of them said it's like from 25 to 40 it's like it's all the same guy in yeah. theory right um i think and i think that's right you know with narduzzi in particular eight and five eight and five five and seven 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 eight and five six and five i mean it sounds a lot like dave dorn and you're gonna put him you know, 20 spots ahead or whatever it is, five it, spots ahead. Just. Yeah. It's the worst version of Dave in the coastal. Right. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. You know, defensive minded coach, tough, hard nose, hand in the dirt, whatever. He's got everyone, you know, everyone was telling me how good Kenny Pickett was last year. And I got injured. I feel you. Um, But like, again, you know, poor guy had to work with Matt Canada, just like Dave Doran did. Right. You know, and he got the one good year out of Matt and then he went back to kind of normal, you know, I I don't know. I just, I don't see how coaches kind of see it the way they see it. You know, do I think if Dave Clawson was here that the record maybe has a couple more wins on it? Sure. We probably also have a couple more losses because Dave Clawson is a maniac (laughs) with how he runs his offense. Right. Uh, And you know, so I, I agree. I th- I just think, man, if he would just if if Chuck Amato had the same record, didn't have the eleven one season, but had the same record as Dave, but had Chuck's personality, 
Would anyone have wanted to run him out really after last year? After the, I mean, the year prior, the twenty nineteen season. I doubt it. I agree, and I think that's what we've been saying for a long time: is that he needs to improve his image, right? Because it it, it does, and Danny Cannell said it like it impacts recruiting. Right, it, it impacts everything because you are you are the face of the program, and if you want, I'm trying to think how to say this. Like, if you want to take the next step, right? You want to get to that next level. That's part of it, man. I think you really have to push, uh, push that next level and push to be better there and push to be more fun and more interesting. Yeah. Let me flip it, right? Um, People seem to give Kevin Keats a pretty large bandwidth. And I am positive a majority of that comes from Kevin Keats is a winner and just his general personality pre-post games. Like, I think that people like a guy that has personality. And even though he is trending at 500, kind of just similar to the way Dave has in these years in the ACC, there's a lot of people right now that look at you and me like we're crazy for even contemplating that Kevin might not work out here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. That's a, it's a perfect example. It, it, because if, if Dave had Kevin's personality, he was everybody's best friend. I, I think the general consensus around him would be a lot different. Hell. And, and I've been saying this for a while. If Dave beats Wake Forest. So those two Wake Forest games, right. And he has two 10 win seasons. I think the conversation is also different around it. Oh, he's getting like a statue at that point. Right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, or he wins one of those and he, you know, Bambard doesn't miss that kick versus Clemson. Right. There's a lot of, he's very close to being, changing that conversation. I tell you how that, I'll tell you how that game goes down. If he has a personality, he's looking across the sideline, he's staring at Dabo and he's doing the, I see you like with his eyes and with his hands doing it over and over. And Debo gets so confused by it that he doesn't call the time out. Bambard drains the field goal. It's game over. That's, that's what we're missing. We're just missing a, a just a, a crazy badass from the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like I just, Dave is he's he's right there, and I you know I always see he's so close to having it right, and I like to see the the good in him, and I think he's get I think he's evolved as a coach, I think he's getting better, you know maybe it's just the resources he's got available now, but better hires, uh, you know better recruiting in theory, I think you know finally getting speed that sort of thing, so. But I think, yeah, I think he should be higher there. I think what he's done is – and I get people's knock on right? I don't want to be a, a Dave Stan because he's not perfect. He's no. He's got some flaws. But given where we've been as a program and how inconsistent we've been, he's pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've got some hot takes I'm going to save because there's a, a listener question. And, okay. Uh, uh, the one one more that I wanted to get to is uh, around this topic is uh, <laughs> Matt Campbell. 
I think <laughs> James and I were talking about Matt Campbell this morning. I think Jay, Matt Campbell and Jane and Matt Campbell and Dave Dorn are very similar. Now I get Campbell has maybe done it a little faster, right? He, he, he takes a bad team and he wins pretty quickly, but he's basically has the same, he's got the same records as Dave, right? He's playing with essentially the same kind of program, right? I think Dave probably even recruits a little better than Matt Campbell. Maybe that's part of that's Iowa state, but I think they're very similar. I think, Matt Campbell plays easier conference, easier division. I think there's a lot of similarities to it, but everybody loves Matt Campbell because he's fun and smiles and you know does all these things. And freaking, you know, the story came out that the Detroit, Detroit Lions offered him seventy million. Oh my god! <laughs> right, like it just to me. I think I don't think the two guys are that far apart in terms of production. It's but credibility. So here's Matt Campbell's records, right? Iowa State three and nine, eight and five, eight and five, seven and six, nine and three. I mean, Liberty Bowl, Alamo Bowl, Camping World Bowl. He's two and two in bowl games in the Fiesta Bowl. But he has had some very random big wins. He's yeah. had some wins, yeah. So he has beaten Oklahoma. He's gotten a couple of those, but he's not that. It's the the gap is not that wide. I don't. I, yeah, my 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 point is one: when you are a more a fun, creative, offensive person, you get more leeway. Two: when you actually win one of those big games, you get a lot of leeway. Right? Yeah. With um, who was the Purdue coach who beat Ohio State a few years ago? Um, is it Brom? No, am I yeah, Brom. Yeah, yeah. Like, he hasn't really done anything at Purdue, but yeah, he won that game. Right. And then people start talking about him, and that was a big deal. Um, I do appreciate the argument from uh, the podcast last week that was like, um, "What's I, you know, what's Iowa State done versus Iowa?" And you know, it, it is impressive, I guess, if you think about just you know the state of the programs compared to each other. But yeah, I mean, Matt Campbell was like. I mean, I, I what, what was his ranking in the in the coaches poll? Like twelve, like eleventh, right? Eleventh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was no. very high. Nine, and like he, yeah. And on the podcast, they were even saying they were like, "What has he actually done to deserve this?" Right? And and some of the people who value lifetime achievement would look at a coach like Matt Campbell and be like, "You guys are just like buying the the opposite of the dip, right? You're buying the rise." Um. So that, yeah, no, for now, I will say that I would take Matt Campbell here. <laughs> oh yeah, certainly. I think he's he's clearly the, he turns things around quicker, right? He's yeah. he's got something about him that that you know his results goes from bad teams to better teams. And for Nelly in the podcast, I think it might have been today, just you know shredded that he was this high. He basically said the same thing. And his, here's his comment in that article. Does does this seem aggressive to you as it does to me? Don't get me wrong. I think Campbell's a terrific coach and done an outstanding job in Ames. That's why I have him 16th on my ballot. Because he's because as good as he's been, other coaches have accomplished more. Campbell has done – for all Campbell has done, though, he deserves to be in the top 10 ahead of coaches. Does he deserve to be in the top 10 ahead of coaches with national or conference titles? If he wins the Big 12, you hear no arguing from me about him being ranked as high. 
but I'd be lying to say if it's a bit too much forecast in his ranking. Yeah. Last year he was 25th on this list. It sounds eerily familiar to where Dave Dorn is right now, right? I mean, all these things are again, Fernelli says the best. There's a bit of forecasting going on here. Yeah. He's the guy that he it's it's like they want him to be the next PJ Fleck or something like that. And right. there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with identifying talent and saying, I want these per- this person to succeed. But I totally agree with the, what have they done lately that really deserves it. Same reason, like with Mac, I would put Mac Brown in like the 20 to 40 range, because in reality, what has he done at UNC? Seven wins, eight wins. Okay. Larry Fedora achieved more than that, right? You know, he he had everything cooking for him last year, and he still only did what he did. Yeah, he was exciting in a couple close games. Does that really matter? I often felt like Notre Dame and Texas A&M were just trying not to lose those games, you know? Yep. So it, it's to each their own. Um, I, I can't believe that Matt Campbell is, like, ranked that high. Um, and if yeah. he has a great year, everyone's going to be high five in. And if he doesn't, everyone will drop him back to 25 or whatever. And then they'll say like, let's wait and see. Um, but in the end, it's like, okay, to, to this, all this, this point, do these rankings even matter? No, not no. really, but they do expose like if people think you are a snoozer when it comes to public perception, you know, it's why they sit there and say like, well, no one thought Aleem McNeil was going to be in the NFL. I don't know. I don't think I agree with that chip. <laughs> like yeah. I saw a 260 pound linebacker in high school making tons of plays. I think a lot of people thought, Hey, this guy actually has NFL potential. It's a question of what round maybe he could land in. Um, you know, but when you're NC state with Dave Doran, I don't think you get that little extra bump of credibility where it's, it's yeah, he saw it. A lot of people saw it, but he knew how to land a guy like this, how to develop the guy like this. And now you're seeing the payday. You're about to see. I, I wish the next sentence that Chip had said, which was, and you're about to see this payday happen with X, Y, and Z on this roster, because there's a very high likelihood that there are multiple, multiple picks going out of this draft next year, assuming everyone stays healthy this year. Yeah. I mean, I think that is that's my whole thing with all of this, right? And this is something that we've talked about extensively for a long time, and it's the whole reason why we do the branding pieces and whatever because it impacts the results. If you are interesting, you get mentioned in these conversations. If your offense is exciting, people want to watch you, right? You get mentioned in these conversations. You don't get the benefit of the doubt being a hand in the dirt kind of guy, right? You don't get into playing possession football with 20 yard, I don't know, explosive plays, right? You just don't get that benefit of the doubt. You don't get that notoriety. And I think had, if his perception is a little different, he's way up higher in this list. He's probably in the twenties on this list, you know, and I think it's, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. It's just they don't mean anything, right? But it's just like you said, it is it is something that it kind of points to all the messages we've been talking about, right? This you you gotta you gotta be better, all right, in, in certain aspects of it. 
And I think part of that is perception. You know, change that perception if you want to change the end results. And I think you're you you're going to have a hard time. I don't know, like winning over all the fans and cracking these lists, getting the notoriety you want, and getting that next level of player that you need. If you're boring and you know you're just okay, you know milk toast or whatever they called it, right? It's just I think that to me is that's that needs to have that needs to change, right? I think that's the thing that bothers me the most. Yeah. So anyway, I, I thought that was interesting. The, the whole series that, that they did with this has been interesting. And, you know, just the fact they keep coming back to Dave Dorn as being right in the middle. And, you know, again, Danny Cannell said it. If you're just – he's done a really good job. And he's just not flashy. He's not exciting. And it doesn't get enough credit because of that. And I think a lot of state fans feel the same way. The ones that, the ones that are dogging him I don't think are looking at the whole picture, like and how steady they've been for the most part. But I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting conversation. I'm curious what people think in, in regards to Dave, if they, if they think he's overrated or underrated or whatnot, you know, I need to, I'm going to put a poll out on that. I think this team right here is going to be his, one of his best teams. So one of the pieces I'm working on for the website is comparing it versus 2017. And I don't know if there's as much top-end talent as on the 2017 team. It's hard to do. It's hard to project that. But there's a lot of depth on this team. There's a lot of depth that we didn't have on that 2017 team. If you if the if the line, the offensive line develops, I think it's a better team. Like just throughout the ranks of the team. That's my only question mark right now. I think there's enough talent all over the roster at all these other spots. Far more talent on average than what we had with that group in 2017, which was front four heavy on defense, front five heavy on offense, Mm -hmm. Finley at quarterback, Harmon, Myers, Hines, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah, there are all those pieces. But if you look at the running back room, I think the running back room is far more complete this year. If you look at the linebackers, far more complete, the secondary, far more complete. You know, I actually think yeah. the wide receivers are actually probably much more, much closer than we would think at this time. It's just you had an absolute machine in Harmon that I think hid a lot of problems in that group. Um, tight end, yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah, I d- didn't even compare tight ends. Uh, Harmon Myers and Jay Sam, right? They were yeah your your wide receivers essentially. And I think um, you know how many how many catches did Jacoby Myers make that year that just bailed us out of situations? I mean, I can oh. remember at least three that if, if he doesn't make a, a one handed behind his back one foot inbounds catch, you know that can't we lose a game. We're not yeah. in field goal range. Or but, know, but the team was also built around that style of play. And I think yeah. this year's team isn't the same. It, it's going to be much more vertical, um, at least going into the season. It should be in theory, right? I mean, I think that's – but I think that's interesting. And so so one of, the, one of the questions we got, here's another question. If we don't get in that 9 to 10 win range, 
Is Dave getting canned? Uh, well, first off, I am just feeling really good tonight, and I am going to say that Dave is actually going to win 10 games this year. So this question won't really matter. Um, the only way I see this team, look, I know everyone's like, oh, the schedule is a lot tougher. Okay, sure. Um, if this team is healthy, this team should win nine games. I'll give you the bowl game if you need to to really get there. If this team is fighting to get to eight wins, something has gone terribly wrong. Yeah. It won't make any sense given the depth across the board. Again, like, I mean, if you just see like a rash of offensive line injuries, then yeah, maybe. Um, it's the one thing I'm worried about, I guess. But if Devin Leary is healthy, I think this offense is going to be capable. If Dunn is healthy and doesn't have groin issues or whatever, right? We're going to be able to kick the ball. Um, this defense is very, very deep. And yeah, so I mean, if everyone's healthy at the end of the year and we're like a six or seven win team, okay. Yeah, like it's time to have a serious question of what the, what the heck's going on. And at that point, I would not be bothered if Boo made a decision. But... You know, it's just really hard for me to look at the schedule right now, thinking of what this team is, thinking of what we just saw last year with Bailey Hockman leading the team for the most of the year and watching how the team constantly stepped up and made plays. And I don't see why anything would have changed from a chemistry level. I think that the staff is going to be extremely cohesive this year. We actually got a spring practice in. You know, and I just didn't feel like they, these guys were talking about the schedule setting up perfectly last year. I did not get the sense in many games that we were playing teams that didn't want to be there. FSU was probably the only one to me that was obviously a team that was like, okay, I'm kind of done. Outside of that, Liberty was there to play. Miami was there to play. Pitt was there to play. Duke, like, never quit. Georgia Tech wanted, surely wanted to win. You know, I didn't see a schedule that was as bad as everyone is looking at from, you know, if you just look back last year and didn't watch those games, you're like, yeah, okay, well, five teams absolutely stunk last year. <laughs> they didn't all want to stink, I guess is how I feel. So right. I'm not firing him if he gets eight wins. I'm just going to be saying, why did you get eight wins, if that's fair? Yeah, I don't know. You know, a lot of it is, like you said, are they clawing for eight wins or, you know, what happened? You know how what what are those eight wins? I think this team should be his best, and it should get we should get more than eight wins. I'm trying to find. I think it was rivals, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, they they did a podcast recently um, with their predictions. So here it is. Um, <laughs> God, where is this? Twenty four seven. I pulled it text and put it in the chat last this week. Uh, but NC State's at number 25. I love the coaching job Dave Dorn did last season, lifting the Wolfpack to an 8-4 and four record. I like quarterback Devin Leary. With him returning from injury, NC State's a challenge for an 8-win season again. And then it goes on, defense improves, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> like, challenge for an 8-win season? I think you should be getting 8 pretty easy. I, it, it, look, if you go 7-3 and three last year, Again, I feel like people are just overlooking the little things last year with that team. 
you know, they're overlooking the quarterback. They're looking overlooking the offensive line injuries. There were, I mean, you had multiple players who were playing throughout the season with injuries that in any other given year probably aren't playing. Pete Wilson, Drake Thomas, etc. Right. You know, that that team was held together by duct tape physically, but like mentally very locked in. And I just struggle to see why a team this year that has added some very key transfers, in my opinion, is going to struggle and just be fighting to get eight wins. I think once you go through that grinder that they did last year, the expectation should be eight's the minimum now. You know, I want to see you beat Mississippi State. I, we need to see Dave beat a mid-tier SEC team. He's cleaned mm-hmm. up on the, the the lesser SEC teams when he's had his chances. It's time to actually beat in at Mississippi State, which is going to be a challenge, but I think it's the perfect year to do this. You have enough veteran bodies to go toe-to-toe with an SEC team. This should not be a situation like we did where we faced – South Carolina, where, yes, your defensive line was awesome. Yes, you have an NFL quarterback and an NFL wide receiver. But then the rest of your team is like, "Mm, are you really going to compete with that team? Probably not year in and year out. I I think a lot of us missed that. So, I, I would be disappointed with eight wins. I don't think he gets fired if we win eight. I can't make the argument to keep them because my thing, my question would be, he, you know, if everything is accumulating into this season, right? This is like we said, his best team, his deepest team. He's got all the pieces. Going to lose a bunch to the draft next year, and you win eight games, like, and that is. This, the eight nine wins is your max, your ceiling. You know, if the schedule lunge and get nine wins, uh, that would be disappointing to me. And I think at some point you have to d- realize, you know, is is he building on something? Right? Is is this going to get better, or is this it? Is this the best? Is it going to be? And so, if he wins eight, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about that because. I like this team a lot. I like everything this team has. I don't think there's any real discrepancies or uh, deficiencies. Deficiencies is the word I was looking for in any position. And if that if that is if that's what it does and gets you eight, then I'm going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, I don't think the schedule is that intimidating. So. It'll be interesting. I think that was that was an interesting question. Let's go. What else we got here? Well, we've got a plenty of life questions here. All right. Well, chance has a baseball question for you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're winning the game. I'm not commenting on something I haven't watched all year. Um, uh, I always just love looking and seeing that we've got a guy named Tresh. And uh, every time I read it on Twitter, I always see trash at first. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're up uh, we're up six to three in the bottom of the eighth. So there, I've marked it in time where I've screwed this team over. Um, <laughs> Chance, I refuse to step in on your territory. Um, I have no comment whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I love it. Mm-mm. Rank these coaches. We're just talking about coaching rankings. Here's one. Rank these coaches on who you like or you think is better. 
Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Kirk Ferentz, Pat Fitzgerald, David Shaw, Mike Gundy. There's multiple crazy people on this list. And I know, let's go back to mul- the rankings and see where they are. Um, all right, I'm going to use recency bias to some degree. Um, uh, Fitzgerald, Gundy, just because he's been more consistent over time. Um, Ferentz, you know, I don't know what's going on at that program. I'll just take their word for it. Um, Shaw, then Har- Harbaugh. Um, I like David Shaw. I I think um, I think he was at Stanford at the right time after Harbaugh, and uh, obviously having a um, strong NFL starting quarterback can do a lot, and then having Christian McCaffrey can do a lot. I actually thought he was like pretty creative um, in his time and trying to combat um, Chip Kelly's Oregon offenses and. Mm-hmm. I would probably rate him higher if he had done better recently. Um, I don't understand Harbaugh at this point. It's like, man, if you can't win at Michigan, get out. I, I mean, you've got Seriously. everything working for you. If you got, what is it, 90,000, 100,000, however many people, fans that, that pack in that house, um, Harbaugh is just weird and strange now and – I don't like people who just wear slacks like he does. I don't know. Just not feeling it. David Shaw is interesting. I, I hadn't, I went back and looked at his record and since 2012, he's got 2011, 11 wins, 12 wins, 11 wins, eight wins, 12 wins, 10 wins, nine, nine, four, four. He struggled lately, but damn, yeah. he was, he was on a run there. If he has the right running back or quarterback combination, like, yeah. I guess Andrew, Andrew Luck and CMC, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that fills up a lot of gaps. And, I mean, I would take I would take a David Shaw. Like, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, like, you shouldn't be successful at Northwestern. Yeah, he's ninth on their uh, – or eighth on the coaching list. Yeah, he he is the uh, the cut cliff that actually wins. <laughs> That's a great way to say it. Yeah, um, everybody loves him. Yeah, Kurt Ferentz is like is is the Dave Dorn if you just give him plenty of time. Like, uh, you know what's funny? So Fernelli was talking about Matt Campbell this morning, and you know how Campbell's up overrated, and he said Kurt Ferentz Kirk Ferentz has more ten win seasons. Then Matt Campbell has seasons at Iowa State. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's done a phenomenal job there. And again, like you said, he's Dave Doran. He's dropped three spots in the rankings, you know, after going six and two last year. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, Gundy, it's, it's, I mean, Gundy is, it, he is the equivalent of have personality and last, right? I mean, like, don't agree with him on much. I will say that openly. Um, but I wouldn't be upset if he had been our coach the last 10 years either. Uh, he was innovative at the time, right? I think everything yeah. things have caught up caught up to him. I would probably go Fitzgerald. If we're I'm thinking like current coaches, right? Like current capabilities. Fitzgerald David Shaw, Gundy, Ferentz, Harbaugh. So even I'm putting Ferentz below because he's essentially Dave Doran. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah, like, yeah, I'm putting the, the other ones up front. 
I think that's that's an interesting question. Yeah. What out of conference game not featuring state are you most excited to see and why? I don't really know the whole schedule, but I do know that the lane train is taking on <laughs> Louisville in the Chick-fil-A game or one of the Chick-fil-A games. And I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think Louisville is not going to be as good as some people are expecting it, but they, uh, I think neither team can play defense. There's going to be a lot of points that game. And I like points. Miami, Alabama, I think is interesting. Again, that's another one of those Chick-fil-A games. And I just saw today that Alabama is only a 16 point favorite over Miami. Like I think, but they probably win by 30. I don't think Miami like, – I have yeah. low expectations for Miami. Pro- probably for for NC State's benefit. Yeah, you want to see Miami just get absolutely shellacked. Um, you know, I'm just trying to – I'm trying to look at, like, what might be interesting early in the season. Um, you know, it's, it's a conference game, but I still think the North Carolina-Virginia Tech game is going to tell you everything you need to know. For next year, um, that's a good one. The, you know, I'll be watching the Mississippi State Louisiana Tech game with great interest. Yeah, <laughs> by both those teams. <laughs> yeah, um, like could not could not be a better pairing um, at this point. Yeah, it's funny. I just um, I have not even looked ahead whatsoever, and, and I will yeah. say, like, just in general, just as a, a football fan, I've kind of lost interest in some of the stuff that's just outside of NC state's realm um, in general. Like last year I didn't, I didn't watch Alabama play until the playoffs. Like literally, I think I maybe saw like a couple, couple minutes of some of their games. Like I just wasn't interested. You know, I, as soon as I see that Alabama's blowing the hell out of everyone, I don't watch. It's not interesting yeah. to me. Um, ECU app state that first weekend. That'd just be interesting. ECU South Carolina the weekend after that oh, might yeah. be interesting. Um, Pitt Tennessee could be interesting. Um, you know, it's I, I was just going back and looking. You know, like okay, yeah, we play Mississippi State. UNC doesn't really play anybody. They're out of conference. I guess they drew Notre Dame this year, so they got to cakewalk the rest of the season. Um, yeah, UCF at Louisville might be kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, it's just like who cares about anyone other than NC State? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, is there a there team is a Stanford past- Vanderbilt game? Sorry, no, that was fun. Is there a team this past this past season that this 2021 state team resembles or feels like? Oh, that's an interesting question. Who? Is- is it out of the state teams, you think? Or, like, just someone? Just any team. I'm trying to think. Who would? Indiana? I would never draw that parallel. <laughs> well, the Indiana team last year was competitive in their games. They had a pretty good season. They were ranked. All right, they... I don't remember who that, what they're how they ended, but they were fun. People enjoyed watching them. Maybe the Mississippi State team that beat the crap out of us in the Belk Bowl. Um, I think he meant this past year. Oh, this past year. Is there a team this past 
It, oh, team in the past that this 20. Okay, so yeah, maybe. But right. I see what you're saying. That yeah, I mean that Indiana team, like when they were going kind of toe to toe with Ohio State, I was I remember saying like this this is weird. How did this happen? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, just in our recent past, even just a team in the league, in the conference that seems similar. Man, it's kind of tough. Clemson, it, obviously. Yeah, obviously Clemson. <laughs> the, the thing that makes it difficult is Leary is such a is more of a pocket passer than anything, and I'm trying to think of like what he feels like to me, um, because I think the quarterback and offense in general is going to dictate what you see. Like, I, I still don't think we have a true like bona fide running back like you would have seen at like a classic Wisconsin team or something like that where you can just lean on them to run and then you can just be efficient in the passing game. And that's not really you know, maybe like a Penn State with um Chase uh what was it Trace Trace McSorley maybe. Yeah. A few years back, that team that kinda would explode randomly and when they did yeah. it was great. Um That's probably a good comparison. Yeah. That's a tough they, question. We should ask Daniel Joseph if he feels that way. (laughs) (laughs) What do we got here? I think that's all the sports-related questions. What would your alternative career be beside pro athlete if you couldn't do what you do now? Um, That's easy. I would have guessed for you. Oh, what would what would you think? I was going to say like carpenter or like craftsman or something. Yeah, I was going to say architect or um, even just. contractor foreman type of thing. Like I really like project management. Um, and yeah, I've done a little bit of like habitat for humanity and things like that. And, uh, it is a joy to, uh, put those, those types of buildings together. Um, and then my dad was an architect for a little bit in college. And then apparently he, um, he ran into a professor that was like a, um, it's my way or the highway. And my dad was like, well, fuck you. I'm going the highway then. <laughs> <laughs> good, good for you. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's a part of me that wishes someone had picked, picked the pencil back up, the drafting pencil back up for the, for the team vastly here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say like sniper. I'd like to be like an army ranger. sniper. Oh, you don't want that life, man. <laughs> A veterinarian is like the practical one, like yeah, vet or veterinarian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> veterinarian is what I, what I was going to say. Like that's the practical one. I love animals, but I hate blood, so that diff- makes it difficult. Well, as uh, someone who worked at a vet, um, trust me, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> oh, they just gave up a home run. That's fine. They can give up a couple. Yeah, just a couple. Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Like, I don't know. I, I grew up, I always thought I was going to be a senator. I figured it was a super easy job, get paid well. It is. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was. The, the problem is you could not tow the, uh, the, the, the BS line that you'd have to, no matter what, to be one. Yeah. Yeah. That's not my strong suit. I'm going to tell you how I feel. Yeah. You'd be like uh, keeping it too real. <laughs> I'd probably be able, I'd be good for a little while because I would just sit back and, and listen and and then like in a year or two and be like, all right, time to break this shit up. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you could be in the house for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, I would 
Yeah, that would be. I, th- I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting question. Besides athlete, it's funny because I don't even know if I would want to be an athlete. Like, you know, I, mean, I, I, I would well. love to have been a college athlete, but like to me, I just always think I'm like, there's just more, you know, to me. I I, I want some creativity in my life, and I don't feel like you can get that. You're going to get wedged too much as an athlete unless you're like LeBron or someone elite, and you know. Yeah, chances but, of, a, of a person like me in the body like this being that not happening. But you make a lot of money and then, you know, you retire at 35 and can do what you want. Right? Uh, okay. If you can, if you can be like the Holt brothers, right. And yeah. you get to retire and you get to have a business and construction, you know, I can, I can buy it, but I don't know. It's funny that you said Senator though. That's, that could definitely be you in like an, and there, there's a parallel dimension where you are like you're definitely vying for like at least like the whip in the senate yeah definitely i could do that if you could have dinner with one person living or dead who would that be i've been thinking about this question for like two hours now um the first one that i can think of is my grandfather and it's because we recently read this book um i need to look at the look of it but it was basically about this um russian double agent who betrayed Russia um, for for Britain. And I was talking to my father about it, and he was like, well, you know, your grandfather was involved in, like, Watergate in some capacity. And then I found this uh, transcript of my, my grandfather in front of a congressional uh, hearing um, just talking, and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize. You know, my, my, I, I saw – I read more words – of my grandfather talking at this testimony than I probably ever had in person with him. And I would have loved to have had a, a dinner with him where he would not be closed mouth. Cause he was definitely a, um, I'm not going to betray anything for the country type type person. Um, right. So I would definitely, I would definitely pick him as the random person in the family that I would definitely want to talk to one more time. What about a non-family member? Hmm. Um, probably, uh, oh boy, either like Buzz Aldrin or, uh, who had the first steps on the moon? I'm, I'm trying to complete blank Neil right Armstrong. now. Neil Armstrong. I was going to say Buzz Armstrong. That's how out of it I am right now. Buzz Armstrong. Yeah. And it's been a lot of whiskey tonight. Um, but I would love to talk to someone who's actually been to space or at least played one on TV. This tangent, but the show for all mankind on Apple TV is fantastic. I know, it, but Evan, do you think I can possibly afford Apple TV on top of my six other subscriptions? I know, but it's so good. It's worth it. It's, I, I don't know if you know the premise of it, but it's had Russia beat us to the moon and how that would have changed like the space race and all this. Stuff. Man, it's so good. It's heavy because there's some real drama into it. Yeah. But it's like it's awesome, and the way it's put together, the moon shots and the activity on the moon, and the, I mean, it's it's so good. It's such a good show. I've heard some stories about people that have spoken to Neil Armstrong, and isn't he still alive? One of them's still alive, right? 
And who knows, man? Who knows? Like his thoughts on like alien life forms, and it's wild. It's wild. The stuff he's like, he claims to have said, or people have claimed <laughs> he has said. Yeah, I had a girlfriend that said she talked to him at one point, and I'm like, what? Yeah. So anyway, and, and was he like Buzz Armstrong is based off of me? Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. That's a that's such a that's a good question. I don't really don't know, like. I mean, if you strike out the the fun ones, like, uh, you know, you don't get to talk to Jesus too easy. You learn too much. Um, you, you know, like, uh, you know, Margaret Thatcher or, when, you know, Churchill. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people throughout history that I would find fascinating. Albert Einstein. Yeah. Um, you know, I would love to just, so like, boring, pick some of their think. brains from, like, a moral aspect, you know. Um, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's a tough question because you could I mean you could go all over the place. Like be so bore they would be so boring, I would think. Like some of those like talking to Winston Churchill. I mean, sure you oh, could say dude, talk to that Winston. dude would uh to quote um well wait, no. You know what? This is a family friendly podcast. I'm not gonna say that. So <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, who I'm gonna have to come back to that one. I'll have to answer that one another time. I can't think of who that would be. Sitting back in my chair trying to think. I, I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I think, like, all the classics everybody would say, I mean, they'd be okay. I'd probably like Mitch Hedberg. Be, I oh, was, my like, gosh. Yes. Get baked like- and hang out with Mitch Hedberg. Now, that would be some, that would have to be fun. Yeah. yeah. He was definitely my, he was my favorite comedian for a very long time. So. If you had to give up one of your senses, what would you choose? Haven't we had this one before? I don't know. Oh, man. I hate this question. And I've changed my answer every time I've done it. Um, State just won. You're off the hook. I think I might give up touch, even though I know that's extremely dangerous. (laughs) I would say smell, I think. Ah, No. I mean, I can barely smell as it is right now, but, you know, no, yeah. no way. Sight, yeah. smell, taste. I want to be able to experience life. Sound, touch, yeah. I can give away. I can just. It's, That's it, what it I thought too, stuck. but like you wouldn't be able to do anything like woodworking. How would you able to do that? You wouldn't be able like. You'd have to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd lose a finger every other week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, with woodworking, I've kind of thought about that. Yeah. I mean, you would, yes, you would lose the the tactile feel of finishing and things like that. Yeah. Um, but you could still see what you're building, smell the 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 the, the smell of fresh cut wood and things like that. There there would be advantages still. I feel like with touch, yeah, it would just, it would just, I just couldn't even imagine actually as I'm sitting here like banging this desk that I made that I couldn't imagine not having this feeling. I hope I never lose any of those senses, but. And like playing golf. Oh, I mean, I suck at that already right now. So, you know, but that, you know what, here's the thing, right? Would you actually be able, I mean, would you be able to get the timing? Could you, could your brain actually be like, I'm going to let the momentum of the club do everything, right? Like, would you be able to use the physics of the swing 
to navigate a loss of touch. We should, you know what we should do? We should like stick our hands in ice for like 10 minutes or something like that. And then go swing a golf club and see if it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think would be harder? Shotgunning a beer and then trying to hit a golf club or doing 10 pushups and then hitting a golf club, golf ball. Um, Oh, that's weird. I have a reason I asked you this question. So is it 10, 10 specifically? Like this is like a thing. Yeah. 10 pushups. Okay. I think it's gotta be the 10 pushups. Cause I'm guessing somehow it like contracts a bunch of muscles yeah. and it throws you off. Um, it's so, gotta be. Uh, that, that's, that's what I said. I, we've been having a disagreement with my summer golf tournament group. One of the rules is you can shotgun a beer for a mulligan once in nine holes. Right. And we have a guy that, that doesn't drink now and they're trying to think of like, what can you do? And somebody's like shotgun a Diet Coke. And I was like, dude, that's just cruel. Like, <laughs> Let him do ten push-ups. That's way harder to hit a golf ball, and the, everybody disagreed with me. I was like, "If if you, well, you guys are all 20, terrible, first of all, yeah, yeah, make it twenty, and I guarantee. I mean, unless the guy's like in good shape already, I bet no. that would throw him off. Yeah, or boy, what not? I or I doing so. like or doing ten or twenty like burpees or something like that. Something that's gonna like get you out of breath while. Yeah, and then you've got to hit like immediately. It can't. Yeah. I, I think yeah. ten pushups is is enough. Like your arms start to feel it. We're all old. I mean, none, none of us are in what? Greek god shape. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you at least feel the, a little bit. But a shotgun of anything, right? That's not going to affect you. And really, until yeah, you burp and you about, probably about ten minutes later, though, right? Yeah, because you just smack, you know, funnel beer, whatever you want, right? You're not going to feel it right away. It's gonna definitely throw you off in a few minutes. So uh, you just burp and move on. I, I mean, we've done it before. It's not been a big issue. Just, just like, make him snort a bunch of cocaine and then uh, <laughs> no, just go bump, bump a line. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. just let someone punch him in the gut. You find his cheese. Yeah, here's a. Here's or a just don't take the mulligan. Just be a better golfer, dude. That's what I said. But I don't know. <laughs> Shotgun the pier. No big deal. All right, I think that's all the questions we had, and we are rambling. Oh yes, we definitely are. Uh, we there are people downstairs that have been wait that I I promised I'd be done by nine o'clock. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry about that, people downstairs. Well, they Look, it's what happens. It's what happens when you don't show up for a while. I got a lot of things to say. You know, I mean, you literally chose the week where you know I came off of my uh, my COVID shots. I was out. I was seeing people again, you know, it was bad timing, but, uh, but we won, huh? Oh, yep. Hey, yep. Hey, Hey, Chase, we're good at baseball again. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll finish this up. We'll be back next week. Cause I want to talk a little bit more about Dave Dorn and his lack of personality. Yeah. All right. Everybody have a good weekend. <laughs> Just reading your quotes in the chat. Sorry. All right. Everybody have a good good weekend. And we'll enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to y'all later. Go pack. Go pack. I was raised by the waves.